This is the Leapcast, where we talk about how today's current events impact your real life. If you are tired of politics or you are just exhausted from the spin, this show is for you. My name is Andrew Lieb, and every week I host a talk radio show breaking down the news from an independent point of view. We discuss real estate, business, and your health. Hear from the experts and learn the truth on the Leapcast. Personal coach and trusted attorney, Andrew Lieb. So we missed you all last week. It's been, um, <laughs> I was on vacation. It was good times. Just come out and say it. <laughs> it was good times. I went to the Bahamas and we have a timeshare in Atlantis. And the good news, the good news, the good news is that the place we go to is called Harborside and it's a fabulous place if you have children because the condition of the property is such that you don't care if they destroy the property. Oh yeah, you can have crayons and they can color on the walls. It's kind of fine. <laughs> it's kind of fine. It's not the Ritz. <laughs> it's kind of fine. So no, you, you didn't get your uh, invoice yet for it. No, yeah. I, we've been going for like seven years and there's, I know my kids damage it and they never say anything. And as a parent, uh, we once took our kids to a nicer place, Morty, and people were like, well, how was I? I was like, I was so stressed the entire time that they were going to destroy it. And now people go, oh, how's your vacation? And I say, this is what I say to them, and I feel bad discriminatorily because I say, do you have children? And they're like, why are you asking me this? I just had a call with a GC from a big company that we represent, and she had canceled a meeting for me and because I was away. And she asked how the vacation was, and I said it was amazing. But before you think about going there, do you have children? And she like looked at me like I was a crazy person to ask about if she has children. And I didn't really want to know what I was saying to her is if you're single, you don't have children, don't go to the harbor side. Like it's it's kid kid fest. It's wonderful with kids. But as a parent, you want things like a washer and dryer because your kids are filthy and disgusting human beings. And as an adult that is just going with a spouse or something. You See, I thought you wanted to wash your dryer to put your kids in there. Ah. <laughs> I, I, like, I like the way you roll, Morty. So you can come to Harborside with me. It would be very fabulous. But I don't know if you know that everyone in America, I guess I shouldn't say everyone in America, everyone in the Bahamas is getting stuck by JetBlue. Oh, Yes. So we extended our trip. We extended our trip. And when I say we extended, I mean JetBlue extended our trip, but nonetheless allowed us to pay for the trip. Yeah. When we got, we're about to go to the airport and we get an email saying that they canceled our flight. So we had to book another hotel room. And then, you know, it was expensive because it was Easter weekend, which is very expensive. Did they give you a reason for cancellation? No, no reason. So the hotel was like, if you give us a reason, then we can see if we can give you a discount. Yeah, so Morty, this is how it works at Harborside, which I think is a big scam. If you tell them the reason and they like the reason, there's a different price for the room. But if you don't tell them the reason that your airline was canceled, mega price for the room. I paid more money for that last night. I don't get it. What's the? What, why does that matter? I don't know. It cost almost the same amount of money for that one night as the entire seven-day trip. That's crazy. Crazy, it right? It was crazy. Yeah. And then JetBlue, I contacted JetBlue and I said, you canceled my trip and I had to have a hotel room for a night that I had to pay for. I was stuck in another country with children. Can you help compensate it? And they go, well, you didn't have to accept the flight home. 
Like, what do you mean? Like, I needed yeah, to Yeah, what were our home. options? Like, should they, we become bohemian? They rescheduled <laughs> us for the next day. Fine. But how am I supposed to get home? They're like, well, you could have flown privately. And just to be what? clear. I could have flown privately. Yeah, we well, couldn't you fly. a private jet? Yeah, we're not that kind of rich. That, Andrew. Yeah, no, no, no. And the most annoying is because of COVID, you have to, like, schedule tests to be able to come back home. Right. So the we had already- The booger test. We already the took the test. test. And our son, Ari, who's two and a half, calls it the boogie test. And- Ari Pretty had to get a, what it is. Yeah. He had to get a second boogie test. No boogie test. Yucky boogie test. Go, Go away, away, boogie, boogie test. test. <laughs> <laughs> he was so against the boogie test. But the problem is you can't just walk in. It's not like they have a, uh, a, a urgent care. Like you got to like schedule this thing online. You got to walk to the boogie test location. And when you have a two and a half year old that's anti boogie test, making him take two boogie tests, a problem. But here's the good news. We went on the flight while they still allowed masks. That was a big one for me. I really like the whole still allowing mask thing. I don't know if you've noticed, but um, there was like tyranny going on um, this past week because this judge, Catherine Kimball Mizell, I think that's how you say her name. She's 35. Um, the ABA ranked her unqualified, unqualified, the American Bar Association, when she got her um, judgeship from Mr. Trumpster. Uh, she, she threw out the mask mandate. And when I say this is hogwash, I'm not talking about throwing out the mask mandate. Don't misunderstand. That's not my point. You want to know what hogwash is? The planes that mid-flight told people they could take their masks off. That's the hogwash. Now, if I booked a flight knowing that there was no masks, that's one thing. But imagine being on that flight and you only took the flight because of the safety. As we know, it's not the mask that you're wearing that protects you the most. It's the mask that everyone else is wearing. I fortunately don't have a health issue. But imagine you are immunocompromised and you only decide to go on the flight because you knew that there was masking requirements. And you're on the flight. I don't know if you saw this, but halfway through the flight, halfway through the flight, they said, attention, ladies and gentlemen. They probably also told you how to put on your seatbelt because that's one of the big things that they do in the flotation device. But they said- Wait, they didn't say that was optional too? No. Yeah. no. <laughs> Apparently, that's okay for everyone. Everyone's anti-mask, but they're pro seatbelt on a plane, which does absolutely nothing. That's a, a, a I can't even go there. I never, yeah. bu I never anybody, buckle myself on It's so uncomfortable. <laughs> I hate it. Has anybody actually crashed in a plane and the survivors were like, I wore my seatbelt? It was all the seatbelt. <laughs> it was the seatbelt. <laughs> but I actually think it's not for the crash, Lauren. I think it's for turbulence so you don't fall and move around and bang into something. Although that armrest thingy doesn't allow you to get out anyway. So right. I don't know how you go it anywhere. And these, these seats are so close together. I'm like a sardine. So like I'm not moving. The person next to me will brace me. But anyway, here's the thing. You're on the plane. Mid-flight, they say demask. Imagine you were immunocompromised and you only took the flight because you knew there was a masking requirement. I get if they said there's been a federal ruling all flights in the next 48 hours after 48 hours will no longer have masks. That's fine with me. I, I got no judgment on that. But to not give notice, and forgetting not giving notice, mid-flight when people are trapped on a plane to change the rule halfway through, I'm seeing class actions get started. What do you think, Laura? I think that one person that got sick 
and they're going to blame it on the mask yeah, on the plane, gets sick, and they are them. immunocompromised, and they end up in the hospital. And yes, it's what about just what job. about just like a deceptive business practice or like a fraud or like a fraud in the inducement? Like people that bought the ticket on reliance on this, or uh, uh, intentional infliction of emotional distress. Like imagine being immunocompromised for a second and just sitting there for two hours, being like. Everyone around me is not wearing a mask. There's things coming at me. I'm freaking out. Like, I'm just thinking I'm that could be. I'm kind of that person. I get on the plane and I have to Lysol everything down because my two-year-old likes to put everything in his mouth. So I do not like germs, whether we have a mask or not. Well, you you like everyone to wear a mask at all times, anywhere, anywhere we go. Yeah, um, I don't like she germs. was the gal with the gloves. Do you remember when the people, when COVID <laughs> yes. came, she put on. Wait, she, everyone, I wore gloves when. COVID first came out. Did you? You wore I the gloves? Did. So I have good news, actually. Um, so do you have any silver in your house? I do. I have like sh- a, uh, candlesticks. Yeah, candlestick and silver. Candles. Silver, though, yeah. right? I never clean them. And I was in Home Depot the other day. And for some reason, I saw silver polish. And I was like, I'm going to clean the candlestick. It makes such a difference. Right? Yeah. And But I hate cleaning them because it gets all over your hands. It's abrasive. And I said to myself, you know what? I still have my COVID gloves. And I <laughs> broke out my COVID gloves. It was delightful cleaning them. These COVID gloves come in real handy. People don't think about oh this. COVID have clean candlesticks. Oh, my God. I remember when it first happened. It was it was in March 2020, and the only place that I wanted to go that I needed to go was the gardening store. Yeah. So I had to get my flowers, I had to get the vegetables. So and I it was the first time I went out. I had like three gloves in yeah. each hand, <laughs> and I remember coming back to the car. I didn't know how to take the glove off, so I didn't touch my uh, car keys with COVID hands, and it was—it just—it feels like such a long time ago. Thank uh, God. I hope that never happens again. So I just want to take a moment of silence right now. You taking a moment of silence? I don't think that actually happened. No, we're doing I it. Think we're, we should yeah. all take a moment of silence we're, if Andrew takes a moment of silence. We're all going to take one, one moment, just in honor of well, in, not in honor and solitude with the Islanders who have missed oh. the playoffs this year. Wow. Oh. I didn't even know that. Well, I just, I had to do it. I, I want to go back to what's going on with the masks and what's going on with the plane and everything else. But I just need to tell you that moment of silence. Do, do, do. That's not silence. No, that's not. Do, do, do. Anyway, so here's where we are. Did you see, did you see though? First, they say that they're not going to honor the mask ruling from the judge on the transit. Then they say they are going to honor the mask rule with the transit. Then they say they're not going to honor the rule. Then the Biden administration says they're not going to appeal. Then they do appeal, and they're only appealing because I'm exhausted. Why can't they get clear messaging? The news. They get to have so many stories right now. I'm refusing to do those, though, on the news. Like, I did a marijuana one last night because um, New Jersey, yeah, New Jersey legalized marijuana. And I was having a problem on this because he kept asking me, is it okay to go buy it in New Jersey? And I'm like, I can't say it's okay because I have a federal license and it's federally illegal to buy it. Like, it's okay, but it's illegal. Like, we have to put in, like, fine, okay. Like, I think you'd be okay. Like, I think you'd be okay if you smoked a doobie 20 years ago on the park bench and someone didn't see you. Like, people do all sorts of illegal things all the time. Okay. But if you're asking me if it's legal, even though it's state... Anyway, so I got asked about that. I did that. But I will not. I will not take this topic on masking. And I'm going to tell you why. They don't let me 
expound upon what I'm saying enough that I feel like I'm one of the people adding confusion. So I want to be clear about what's going on with this mask stuff right now. Right now, there is a appeal going on by the Biden administration with respect to transit when we're talking about planes and trains. And we're not sure what's going to happen with this appeal. But here's one of the issues I really have. And I think this is an important issue to bring up to everyone. You know this thing that everyone says, Morty, and they're like, we should be able to have personal decisions about health. Yes. You heard this, right? Yes. Personal decision. You've heard this, Lauren? Yeah, pro-personal uh, health. Yeah, I, I get that. But you do realize, like, I have a master's. Do you know what my master's is in? Public health. Yeah, that is not interesting. It's called public health. It's not called personal health, meaning that there's two different aspects of health. One is the personal decision-making that only affects us, and then the other one is public health. And forgetting whether the Biden administration properly used the CDC and properly went through rulemaking procedures, which is what the district court judge was going after. And I'm not telling you that she should have or should not have struck down this. I didn't, I didn't analyze it. Maybe she's right to strike it down because they didn't use the right procedural requirement. But this nonsense, this talking point that all health decisions are personal is insane. Here's why. Because I don't think that we should have any more. I'm done with it. I think I personally should be able to dig my own latrine every time I want to make a duty. Because <laughs> I don't think we should have a whole sanitation system anymore because it's personal. Let's get rid of that crap. You like Literally. that? Yeah. <laughs> no, but my point is there's, there's, there's running water issues that are public health. We have chlorination of water. We have so many public health things that go on. What about the garbage, sanitation people? Imagine the garbage you've had in your house without public health. Like that would just be everywhere. So I'm not telling you that I necessarily think at this point in the coronavirus, because I haven't studied it again, that we need a public health mandate with respect to masking. I don't know one way or the other. I haven't studied it. But this talking point that every health decision is personal is just the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. And what I'm seeing more and more, and I'm seeing it, and I want to blame the Trumpers. That's who I want to go after on this. I don't want to say Republicans because it's not a Republican or a Democrat thing. But Trumpers, maybe it's not even Trumpers. Maybe it's QAnon. <laughs> it's, I, don't, I don't even know. But what they're doing is they're using hollow talking points that a appeal to you on a surface level like yeah if you say to me should your health decisions be your own yeah i agree <laughs> like yeah sounds great but if you say it like this should someone else be able to make a health decision that adversely impacts your health oh no i don't like that you see like yeah. i can make the same talking point either way and they've adopted so many of these and they did it with so many different things and when i say they i want to be clear I want to be crystal clear when I say this. The uber-liberal people on the other side, we could tear them apart for their own thing. I'm not trying to make a political statement. What I'm trying to do is say, stop with these leading talking points that you can't take the opposite position for. Like if you say to me, do I think they should teach kindergartners about sexual intercourse? No. Yes. <laughs> Morty says yes. <laughs> no, but like bad, obvi Morty, obviously bad. you shouldn't do that. But as Morty and I and Lauren discussed a few weeks ago, 
Do I think that if there's a child in kindergarten that has two same-sex parents that are getting bullied, the school should intervene and or the teacher and or the social worker or guidance counselor to make that kid stop getting bullied and to normalize their familial situation? Clearly, the answer is yes. So the point is that these talking points of saying, hey, we shouldn't teach sex to children. Well, what does sex mean? We're not talking about physical intercourse. We're talking about gender roles. We're talking about family. So should we say it like this? You should be able to talk about family structures to kindergarten. Like I have a kid that's two and a half right now, and he understands what mommy and daddy are and family structures and why this person has two daddies. He gets that. Like that's not like a overarching concept that's well, crazy in to him. Well, in his life, he has two grandmas, so I wonder what he thinks those grandmas are. And he also has um, a uncle that's in a same-sex relationship with someone else, and he knows who all these people are. Like he get it's just normalized. And don't tell me that two and a half year olds don't get that because he gets that. Like I, I, I live in that world, but I, I need to tell you, it might be those two issues. There's another one more. We see with these people going, you could, can't, shouldn't teach critical race theory because it makes white people hate themselves. We shouldn't, I want to be clear. We should never say anyone's responsible for what prior generations did. Full stop. I am not responsible for anything my ancestors did. I have enough trouble having dinner with my parents without fighting with them, much less being responsible for their actions, much less my grandparents or great-grandparents, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, we're just not responsible for what other ancestors of ours did. That would be like saying... Every German today is a Nazi. It's just not true. Like, I don't know how to tell you that. Like, there are, I'm sure, terrible Germans. I'm sure there's excellent Germans. There's terrible Caucasians that are ancestors of slave owners. There's also terrible ones. But to say that we shouldn't teach about critical race theory and how systemic racial injustice occurs through structural wrongs in society is just hogwash. Basically, we should be teaching all these topics. Well, history, how it actually happened. So anyway, the reason I bring this all up is that I have not, I have not, I have not, I have not been excited about politicians in, I don't know, a decade. Like I haven't, I haven't seen a speech where I was like moved by a speech. And I want to tell you that I'm generally interested. I want to watch them. Like, I think there's so much about what Trump did as a negotiator, as a lawyer. That's awesome. Like he is so good at his positions and branding and talking points. And George Bush, I want to tell you, that guy knew how to repeat a talking point. He just kept saying the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over so and over did, again. So did uh, Al Gore. They were amazing <laughs> at it. And like Bill Clinton, you felt like you were his best friend when you were done watching the speech. And Obama, I was ready to go charge somewhere when I was done listening to it. Everyone's got their own shtick. And Biden, he doesn't got a shtick. <laughs> Like, he just doesn't. Like, I got to tell you, after Trump, I'm kind of enjoying the calm, but I'm not motivated. Like, nobody's I don't. like, I love Biden. Well, they love some. I've read people like his policies. Some people hate his policies, but I've read that. But no one's ever listened to his speech and been like, wow. My life has changed. I feel inspired to change the world. Yeah. And that's exactly right, yeah. Lauren. Like, I feel, and Morty, I think you and I have had this conversation before. A politician 
has less to do with the substantive laws and rulemaking than they do in the leadership role of motivating other people. Right. And so sometimes even if you don't like exactly what their policies are, because they can bring people together and inspire people, you can still like the person and like the speech. Yeah, absolutely. And that's how I feel. So I don't know anything about this politician I'm about to talk about. I don't know if they're smart, stupid, or otherwise. I did see them do a speech, and then I saw an interview with them. But this speech, if you haven't seen this Mallory McMorrow, oh, no, not Mallory McMorrow, Senator, oh, yeah, Mallory McMorrow. State senator. Yeah, the yeah. state senator. This senator. Michigan. Yeah, Lauren. Um, this is what I wrote on Twitter on it. Such an important message and succinct teardown of what has become an otherwise robust and enticing illusion that is generally but shockingly eluded pointed analysis, which is the only way to make it fall like the house of cards it is. Stop hate. And I'm telling you, I want you all to do me a favor if you Go haven't seen Andrew's it. Twitter. Well, at Andrew Lieb Esquire. He just retweeted her speech. Yeah. If you go to, what is my Twitter, Lauren? At Andrew Lieb ESQ. Yeah. If you go there, you're going to see my tweet of her speech. And I just want you to watch the speech. And I want it for two reasons, Morty. There's two reasons why I'm bringing it up. And I'm a New Yorker. I can't vote for this gal. I don't even know if I would agree with her policies. But I'm bringing it up for two reasons. Number one reason we just did. It was inspiring. She said bold topics and she did it in a great rhythm she did it with great conviction she did it with great empathy and she did it with being able to relate to others i thought the speech itself was a very well done speech although she was reading from notes and i'm not a fan to of reading a full speech what she said she is a white christian suburban mom and she wants to stop the hate and she's saying what we've been saying on the Leapcast for a while. We do not believe in teaching sexual intercourse. Notice the last word I added on other, to it. Other than the exception right here. <laughs> we don't believe in teaching sexual intercourse to children at the under the age of third grade, which is what we're talking about. But the word sex involves family relationships, and it involves gender roles. And it involves so much aspects that we do teach. And when you use vague terms and don't let teachers teach it and allow parents to sue the teachers, you are stopping speech, which, by the way, is illegal under the First Amendment. But you are nonetheless also harming vulnerable people. And for those that don't realize, children can have depression, too. They can be bullied. I just read an article about a fifth grader, a local fifth grader Long on Long Island. Island that yeah. committed suicide this week. It was so sad. And kids can be bullied. So I'm going to promote to stop the hate. Stop the hate. So the second thing that I thought about it when we're talking about what she was doing is it's not just the children. It's not just sex. We all agree that white people shouldn't be responsible for slavery. We agree with that. She talked about that. No person alive today is responsible for slavery in the United States. Do we agree with that? Sure. Unless we're talking about these people that smuggle smuggle people into the country, make them sex slaves to be able to get... Yeah, they're it, bad. They're bad. But we're talking about systemic uh, uh, slavery, like from African Americans. No one today is responsible. But what I learned, Morty, when I went to Schachter... I went to Solomon Schachter, and when I, what I learned there is that we have to study the Holocaust so it doesn't get repeated. So studying what happened with 
slavery in the United States is important so it doesn't get repeated. We are the only people that are the voices of the future. The person who introduced my parents when they, they were married for a short time, but I'm alive. It's not the so person's fault. The person that introduced them was a Holocaust survivor, and he came to my Solomon chapter, and he talked about it. And he said, I'm not going to be alive forever. I'm paraphrasing. I need you all to know the story. And so the fact that we're talking about what happened in history, and not just slavery, but what happened in Jim Crow, and then what happened after that when we deal with just zoning rules. We need our society to learn history. That's the word Lauren's doing to talk about the future. And so I want to say it again. This gal says it better than I do. And, you know, I'm so self-involved. That's a hard thing for me to say. But Mallory, it's it's a lot for me. (laughs) Mallory McMorrow, if you haven't seen this speech, you just go to my Twitter at Andrew Lieb ESQ and you'll see it. And what I thought that was so important, why I bring this up right now is it's too easy. It's too easy to have a hollow talking point that you say in such a leading way that gets followers to follow the hate. I can phrase anything to make someone do that. It's easy to say, Lauren, let's not teach sex to children. It's easy to say, Lauren, let's not get people to hate themselves because they're responsible for slavery. It's easy to put a position in that way. But what we really need to do, what we really need to do is understand that these issues, and Morty has said this at least a million times, are not simplistic. Nothing simplistic. And what we learn the most and what we do, Morty, is that the more you analyze an issue, the more confused you are about how you feel about it. Isn't that the truth? True. Like, I go into a case and I'm like, I feel this way. And I start reading. I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I feel this way. And that's the way it should be. And that's the way it should be. So here's what I want you to do. Lauren wrote um, a little thing to our office, and she, she met with some people in the office, and she talked about how you have to hit things head on. Right, Lauren? Has that been a theme? Oh, yeah. So I think everything you have to do in life, you have to confront head on. Stop being afraid of things. Stop wanting to do it later. Just deal with things and move on. It's just a better way to go. Or else you get anxiety, you can't sleep, you dream about it, or you don't dream about it. Just confront your issues head on. And I don't want you to just confront issues head on. What I want you to do is when you hear something that's so easy to say yes to, you feel it just comes out, yeah, I agree, yeah, and then you start parroting what someone else is saying. I want you to confront that head on and say, why do I agree so easily? Why is my understand. why is my vote so easy to get? Why is it so easy for you, me to just go along with you? Why am I feeling like I am just a robot agreeing with you? I'm not going to just listen to JetBlue, Lauren. I'm not doing it. I'm confronting them head on. We're getting our Bahamas trip paid for. This is the Leapcast. Find us on social media at Listen to Leap or visit listen to leap.com.